What is up, everyone? Welcome to the latest edition of Everyday is Draft Day. I am your host, Dan Turner. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Steffi Smalls. What's up, Steph? What's up, Dan? We finally, the draft is done. <laughs> the now hangover is over. <laughs> it's over. Rookie drafts are, you know, today I started to feel left out because I feel like everyone went right into their rookie drafts and mine yeah. were not starting yet. I only um, have one that started like right before. And then I'm it- currently in four. Right now. Yeah, so. I have now I have three ongoing and yep. I felt very left out. So I like was harassing. Can we just start sooner? Um, but it is rookie <laughs> draft season. This is an interesting this is an interesting one because I feel like this is a year where I maybe would have liked to not do the rookie draft before the draft. <laughs> right. RIP anyone that took Willis at 102. Yeah, like I used to love doing startups before the draft, including the rookies. I thought it was a blast, but now, I now I'm like, I don't know how much I love that journey for everyone. <laughs> I don't love it for anyone, really. Yeah. It's a yeah. Terrible I mean, even my draft that I that started before um, mm -hmm. and is going to end now after, like I took Desmond Ritter way sooner than I would. Um, right. Like mm -hmm. we'll see today, I'm sure. Will not go as high as I took him. Right. Right. All right. So today we're going to be doing a two-round Superflex uh, mock draft rookies only. Uh, yeah, rookie mock draft. Uh, as Steph said, you know the the draft is over. Free agency is pretty much over and done with. So now we're get, heading into you know rookie drafts. So we're going to do our very own right now. So having said that, let's uh, let's kick it off. I of course have the 101 because Steph hates picking first <laughs> in anything ever, and I'm going to go with Brees Hall. I think Which that is, yeah. You know, he's, I, I can't say anyone's like the consensus anything in, in the rookie drafts this year because everyone's all over the place. But uh, I think that he is definitely uh, one of the top ones to consider. Um, and I don't really like any of the quarterbacks to go this high. So I'll, I'll take the, uh, the best running back available and go with, uh, with Hall. Right. And this seems to be pretty much the consensus um, in every draft that I've been in. I have seen, I mean, the ones that started prior, Malik obviously uh, did go in one of those. And then I have seen uh, Kenneth Walker go at 101, which I think, again, there's an argument to be had for him at 102. Since this is dynasty, I'm going to go with Drake London. I think he walks into a position where he's really only competing with Kyle Pitts. I think the Falcons obviously need I mean, they need a wide receiver, especially with Calvin Ridley um, and his ordeal. We don't even know if he's going to come back and end up back on the Falcons. I think mm -hmm. that Drake London, there's a reason why he was drafted as a first wide receiver. Um, and I see him having, you know, you look at guys like him and Jameson Williams, and maybe it's not obvious to see how dominant their fantasy presence is going to be right now. But again, that's why we played dynasty. You're looking long-term. I think right. long-term you hope again, like a Ritter works out in this situation. If not, I mean, they're going to have to find a solution at quarterback. So he is the wide receiver one there, uh, depending on how you think Kyle Pitts is, is uh, whatever. Right. Like if he's yeah. tight end or wide receiver. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, Pitts and, and London will only uh, help each other. Uh, you know, you can't uh, double both really and, and get away with it. And the fact that Pitts is more of like, you know, the inside and London works pretty much on the outside. Uh, you know, the two, the two skill sets match up pretty well. It'll be interesting to see whether it's, whether it's Marietta or it's Ritter, uh, you know, how they do uh, th this season. 
Right. And I mean, again, like he probably, there's a chance that he doesn't finish in that wide receiver one range. Um, and I think, you know, that you're, you're taking that risk, taking someone like London, I think knowing that it's more of a long-term thing than expecting results immediately. Because again, like that quarterback position is not solidified. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. That's a good pick. I like that pick. Thanks. So with the uh, 103, I'm going to go ahead and take Kenneth Walker. Uh, you know, he was a consideration for you in the 102. And I know a lot of people are worried about, you know, Seattle's offense in general with, with Drew Locke. And you have to realize, you know, Drew Locke isn't, you know, he's he's not the best QB, but you know, they still have awesome weapons on the outside in, in Metcalf and, and Lockett. And I really don't understand how all of a sudden, you know, Chris Carson and Rashard Penny, became like these unbeatable walls to playing time that they've become on, on fantasy Twitter. Like Chris Carson probably shouldn't even play anymore. Like that's how, like, that's how injured he is. Like he should probably retire. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, he had a great end to the season, but I mean, it was five games. Like the, every, everything before that, he was been a complete bust. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Like I, I, I could see maybe like a timeshare between Penny and Walker, but you don't take Walker as high as Seattle did or they shouldn't anyway and, and not play him. So I feel pretty comfortable taking him uh, at uh, the 103. I think, you know, after this, it gets really messy at running back. So I, I'm happy to take uh, take it now while, while stay, and keep it simple pretty much. Yeah, I like that too. And I think, you know, there's a lot of um, talk about, you know, him catching the ball. I get that. Uh, but at the same time, he's going to a team that just loves – they like to run the ball. Like, does he really need to catch the ball that much for him to – uh, be super present in this offense. And I think, again, you have another situation where the quarterback is, I mean, solidified. I don't know if you consider that solidified, but uh, how much uh, airtime are we going to see with Drew Locke? I don't know. I think that Kenneth Walker can very easily walk in there and be, again, a huge part of this offense, especially with Drew Locke. He could end up being uh, someone that he almost relies on here instead of trying to get it down the field, because I don't know that that's going to be within the realm of his possibilities. Right. So you're saying Kenneth can walker it in there? Yeah. Oh, look at you and your dad jokes, huh? Yeah, Very cute. Yeah, I like I it. I knew you'd like it. I knew you'd. <laughs> All right, you're up at the 104. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do something different than I've done um, in my drafts because here I've had the 104 and I've taken Jameson Williams um, in two of those scenarios. But mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson here and I'm going to do it because I like the way that Zach Wilson did look down the stretch. Obviously, he is, you know, it depends. How much is he going to be competing for targets? You'll probably see Elijah Moore in the slot. Um, but I think that if he can prove himself, uh, I don't even want to say prove himself to Wilson. I like the idea of them both being these two young guys and Elijah Moore is too. But regardless, I don't think it's outside of uh, his possibilities to finish, have a top 24 finish. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that could end up happening. Um, and again, this is, we're talking about a guy that was rated by a lot of people as the wide receiver one. I think he is one of the best route runners. And I think that he's going to have a long successful career. Um, and I think the jets, you know, both of us from around that area, I think the jets are in going in a positive direction. So if they can have a more productive offense, like again, good players are going to demand targets. It's going to happen. Um, so yes, we don't necessarily love the idea of him and Elijah Moore, but it's going to come down to who ends up getting more targets. I think, you know, we talked about this probably, I mean, 
this was a while ago now, but we talk about these offenses that can be really productive. So if we can get a productive offense out of the Jets, I don't really care that they're both on the team. Yeah, no. I, 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 and that's something I've always hated the argument that you can't, that you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, have two people from the same team on your roster. Like if they produce, why not? Like he, the object of the game is to score points. I mean, yeah. the, the Garrett, Garrett, you know, was drafted uh, to help Zach Wilson. So obviously yeah. Zach Wilson is going to throw him the ball because that's yeah. why they drafted him. I, and I get like Elijah Moore and, and Corey Davis are there. So, you know, but it's, it's, it may not be like in year one, like the best situation, but I think by year two, he'll be the number one receiver there. Uh, and mm-hmm. it really all depends on on how Zach Wilson progresses. And they got, you know, Brees Hall and, and you know, they drafted all these guys to help Zach Wilson progress. So that's what they're going towards. So they, they believe in him. So while Garrett Wilson probably won't have like, you know, the target share that a lot of some other receivers like London will have because London's the only guy on his team that can catch the ball. Uh, I, I still think it's a really good situation for him because you're also not going to be able to, to focus, focus entirely on Wilson either because Moore is there and, and Hall is there exactly. and Davis is there. So I, I think, you know, you're, they're going to spread the ball around, but, and this might not be like a year one thing, but I think by year two, he'll be the receiver one in, in New York. For sure. I feel, I feel that way by like about a lot of these wide receivers where maybe we don't get, a lot of them towards the top there and we might have a lot of wide receiver two finishes but i don't think that that's what they're going to be stuck in moving forward either mm-hmm. so. right exactly yeah exactly all right so that's a great pick good job by you, Thank you. uh so at the 105 i'm going to take jameson williams uh, i think that you know he is pretty much kind of the same situation a little bit that that gareth wilson is the I think that you know he he has a he's going into a situation where he can you know pretty much start immediately he might have a little bit better situation than than Wilson does mm-hmm. uh you know the Lions uh, outside of Hawkinson and um St. Brown don't really have a lot of receiving options so he's going to start there immediately a lot of people worried about like you know his injury but by the time the season rolls around he should be completely healthy and I think that if he were fully healthy you know he would have been uh you know the wide receiver one in this class Mm-hmm. Uh, he's perfect for, for for their offense. He he's that field stretcher they need. Something that I mean, I mean, really isn't. Uh, he's a different type of player than than him. Uh, so him and Hawkinson can get the short intermediate uh, area of the field, and Williams can take the top off and stuff. But he's a lot more consistent than you know, a, just like a, a deeper threat. You know, he can do it across all three levels of the of the offense. And uh, if Goff ends up not working out, um, they can you know go a different direction at quarterback. So I think it's one where. Maybe Amon Ra is the wide receiver one this year as he gets acclimated to the NFL, but in the same vein as Wilson by next year, to your point, uh, he'll be the top target in that offense. For sure. And again, like this guy is like totally like a complete menace. Like he (laughs) can also be like dangerous at all different levels of the field. I think that you'll see St. Brown, which again, Maybe not next year, but we might see where both of these guys can support um, wide receiver one numbers. Is that going to happen next year? Not likely, no. Um, But I think that he is a perfect complement to St. Brown. You have St. Brown in the slot. um, And I I really, I actually loved this landing spot for the Lions. And they also, with conviction, moved up and got their guy. Um, So he's going to get used. He's going to be one of the focal points of this offense. And uh, I, you know, 
ACL, we don't worry about as much anymore with these wide no. receivers. It happens all the time now. So um, it's definitely not as big of a concern for me. And again, this is like long-term we're talking. This is dynasty. I'm, I love Williams here at 105 because I think there's an argument to be made for him at 104. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Wilson and Williams, you can pretty much, you know, flip-flop. They're pretty much going around the same area. So definitely, for that. and especially with like after, you know, Hall and Walker, the running back situation, as far as where he goes, gets really muddled. Um, I think it's really safe to, to go with the receivers that, you know, you may have to have a little patience on, but, you know, by, by the, you know, next year, they'll, they'll be the, the guys in their offenses. Yeah, love it. Um, and again, actually going to go with another wide receiver here. And yeah, this is, this would have been a guy where, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about him. Some people are were high on him. A lot of people were very low on him. Um, but Traylon Burks, I don't know that Traylon Burks could have gotten a better placement than ending with the Tennessee Titans. His comp by a lot of people was literally A.J. Brown, and then they traded A.J. Brown and drafted Traylon Burks. So anyone that, uh, you know, they got trashed for this trade, which – with the how expensive wide receivers are, if you can mm-hmm. potentially get an AJ Brown number two that can come in, if you're prepared to design plays for him, I mean, this guy, talk about another one that's going to be a menace. He is mm-hmm. one of these hybrid players that you have to even come up with ways to block him because he can play all over the field um, and he holds a lot of value. And we're seeing, you know, the league transition to some of these hybrid type players i think that he also walks into a position where he doesn't really have competition what does he have there uh westbrook westbrook whatever yeah probably have him in the slot have robert Robert woods Woods there i mean i just i think at the end of the day Traylon burks might be the guy you know this is what i imagine too is like it's like week nine and everyone's like oh my god Traylon burks is good like i think he might i think he might have trouble like transitioning into the league and i think that that might also come from Tennessee having a difficulty like designing plays for him and finding a way to work him in. But I think it's going to click and maybe it'll be sooner than that. But I think Traylon Burks, again, he couldn't have landed in a better spot. And if we're talking about, you know, dynasty, we're talking about probably getting four really nice years on a team that is prepared to take him on because they just traded away a guy that's very similar. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, and that's the whole thing. That's the whole reason the Titans trade A.J. Brown in the first place, because they didn't want to pay him. You know, the, the, and, you know, the Eagles gave him, you know, that big contract. But like you said, if he, if Traylon Burks turns in even into like 80 to 90 percent of what A.J. Brown was giving you. Right. Then, then that, that's perfect for what the, for what they, they're drafting him for. Right. There. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and he's, he, you know, he's that same type of player. You know, he's a little bit bigger. Uh, so you can use him in a variety of ways. And plus, you know, with with, you know, with also drafting. Malik Willis, it seems like, you know, they're kind of turning the page on the whole, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill era in, in Tennessee. So having them, you know, kind of grow up together, uh, I think will be, you know, beneficial because Burks will be the one, the, the, the only receiver in the room that will, will generate the, that wide receiver one that we're looking for uh, in right. the drafts. You know, right. Robert Woods isn't going to do that. You know, Westbrook isn't going to do that. Uh, so, so to have him there and, you know, he's, he, he's really young. Uh, and I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being this year, the, the, the wide receiver that scores the most points in fantasy out of the rookies. Right. Yeah. Think- it, again, that would not be shocking at all no, because he's absolutely. walking into no competition on a team 
that was able to support AJ Brown. So if you're just letting Traylon take on that, that workload, and I think that he can handle it again, like as long as they're understanding the type of player he is, because he's not your standard wide receiver. And that's why a lot of people knocked him. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that he wasn't always even fully utilized well uh, in college either. But I think that again, like you're basically getting who the majority comped him to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're just getting a cheaper, younger version of the guy you just gave away. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a good pick for them. Uh, so now uh, at the 107, it's kind of getting a little, uh, you know, a couple of people that can go in this, in this tier uh, of players. Uh, but for me, uh, now landing spots more of a consideration. Uh, and I'm going to take uh, Sky Moore here. Ah, did that hurt? It did. It did really yeah. badly. Uh, no, but um, you know, I question. Obviously, I had questions. Everyone knows uh, about Sky Moore uh, going in the first round uh, of the draft. I didn't think that you know he, you should spend uh, first round draft capital on receiver of, of his size, and you know his he is you know a little undersized, but I think that that's a little overblown. And the, for the way that Andy Reid and the Chiefs run their offense, they couldn't have had a, a better fit for what Moore gives them. You know, people are going to want to try to say that he's just like, you know, the replacement for Tyreek, but that's not really, you know, accurate for the type of uh, receiver that, that Moore is. He's a little more physical than Tyreek was. And I know that he has like Juju and, and MVS and then Miko in front of him, but I, I don't think, you know, again, he's one of the receivers where he may not get a lot of playing time this year or targets, but coming next year, you know, he should be starting in, in that offense. And Kelsey's getting, not getting any younger either. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of targets going forward in the next couple of years where Sky Moore can realistically be the, the number one receiver for Mahomes in that office. And that's that's incredible value to get at the 107. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, I almost can't even – I think you said that perfectly. I think that he walks into another really great landing spot. Um, and I think that, you know, again, having Patrick Mahomes – Patrick Mahomes is going to also elevate any wide receiver that he has. We've seen him do that. Um, and I think that Sky Moore, just beautiful opportunity to walk in and be able to demand targets. And I think Sky Moore is, again, we're thinking long-term as well, which I guess with Dynasty, I could probably say long-term with every single one of these picks. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying. I get you. I got you. All right. So I'm going to go with another wide receiver, which um, <laughs> I am so excited to start. Look, I know this is crazy. I sound like a psychopath, but I actually am really excited to look at 2023 a little bit more too and dive into it because I think this class ended up being it's so funny I feel like everyone really knocked every position almost but like we have some really like the running backs and the wide receivers are actually like really strong it's not as weak of a class as everyone said so uh, I'm gonna go with another wide receiver who again I think that landing spot and not that we like to knock by landing I think landing spot probably knocked him a tiny bit because mm-hmm. he, uh, some people had him as their wide receiver one. He definitely was in a lot of people's top three. So Chris Olave um, goes to the New Orleans Saints. I think that it gives Jameis Williams an immediate, very, very credible deep threat, um, it, you know, in Chris Olave. I think that Michael Thomas, again, we don't know what's entirely going to happen there, but you have a guy that can win at multiple levels of the field. I think that he is a well-rounded wide receiver that performed in college 
awesome route runner. Um, and even if we don't see Michael Thomas, there only benefits him even more. And I think that we see the Saints, you know, I don't know how long Jameis is the answer, but maybe Jameis ends up being fantastic coming off that injury. He looked really good up until the injury. Um, and I think you're just getting him another weapon. And that was the biggest problem there. They didn't have weapons for Jameis. Um, yeah. So I think that they at least filled that up. I think that you'll see a lot of if we think that Thomas is going to be there, we see him primarily in the slot. But again, like I think that at the we at least could expect him to get targets the way that we saw Callaway. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also yeah. hard to say that because once Jameis got hurt, you can't really. Who did they even forget that Ian book it? Like we can't just determine it off of that either. So um, and again, we'll say this is another long term situation. But I think that Olave is this shiny new weapon for them, whether Jameis does well or they bring someone else in, I think they can solidify him as a primary piece in their offense. And if they lose Michael Thomas, I think that he can take on some of that work that Michael Thomas, is, you know, that his he highlights in his game. So I think it, maybe I talked myself into this landing spot a little bit more, actually. Right. Um, but again, we still have a lot of teams that there's so many question marks around quarterback. Right. And I think you made an excellent point. I think what you know, as soon as the draft positions were announced, a lot of people were down on a lot of these players, both running backs and receivers, and even Trey McBride uh, for landing spots. But then, like you know, for Dynasty, a lot of people, I think a lot, a lot of it was, and even me too. Like I had that same reaction, but a lot of it is like short-sighted. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the year one prospects for a lot of these guys isn't like the best that we could have hoped for, but like projecting out, you know, two to four years out, like these guys are going to be in great situations, like all of them. Right. Like, there's not that like there's these world beaters, these like Hall of Fame players that are like in front of them that they can't, you know, leapfrog uh, eventually and, and get right. the roles in their teams. So, exactly. you know, and, and for Olave, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas doesn't even want to be in, in New Orleans anymore, honestly. Like that's how he acts. So it's, you know, he could be the wide receiver one, you know, pretty quickly. And yes. if, he's not, if Thomas comes back, that's actually perfect for Olave because Thomas is going to be the one getting all the attention because he's Michael Thomas. And that's going to leave Olave, you know, open yeah. and, and, and to get that that route running and stuff uh, up here sure. to the best use. And and after that, what do you have? Traquan Smith, you know, Callaway? Like, come on, these guys aren't aren't right. going to Olave from from getting you know targets. Mm-hmm. Exactly, absolutely. And I think we're, it's it's going to be interesting how like damn you, Christian Kirk. He like definitely not. It's not him, but like the Jaguars really shook things up when they paid Christian Kirk because then we saw all of a sudden like the price tag that we thought the elite wide receiver would get just skyrocketed. So mm-hmm. how is that going to change? Are we going to see the league move in the direction where like they're okay with turning over some wide receivers a little bit faster to teams that are a little bit more in contention? Like the Eagles, for example, like that was a great move because the Eagles are in a good spot, right? Like you guys right. had the draft capital. You're able to bring on a vet who is proven um, that probably, you know, doesn't need the quarterback to absolutely like high, like highlight their talents. They're able to do it a little bit more independently. Um, and, and I think we're seeing, you know, teams move that way. You even look at, I mean, there's an argument for the Raiders. There's an argument for Miami. Like, I think that you're seeing these guys get paid by teams that are that want to be in contention because they saw the Rams do it, right? They saw right. Tampa Bay do it. So now... A little bit 
Um, I, I think we're going to see things transition. I think people move on a little bit faster than, you know, you're not going to see the New York Giants paying, you know, uh, not even they have it. I don't even know if they have a wide receiver anymore, but I, you're not going to see them paying this person. Let's say OBJ was still on this team. You're not going to see them paying him. They would move on from him. Like, yeah. because if you're not in a position where, or if you're an in a position where a wide receiver get paid somewhere else, then you get rid of them and just bring someone else on because you have one of these top picks regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, like, you know, based on, like, where do you want to allocate your cap nowadays? And mm-hmm. these receivers getting, you know, like 15 to 20% of your cap space, like, is that really the best? No, but especially now, you know, in college, you get receivers coming out pretty much every single year that can start immediately because they're in these offenses now where, you know, they, they're running like pro systems and, and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, like the perfect point was the Traylon Burks point made. Yeah, Traylon Burks is not going to be A.J. Brown. But if the Titans get 80% of A.J. Brown for, you know, 10% of the cost, obviously they're going to, you know, they're going to take that. So it really is interesting to see, you know, going forward, you know, how, you know, what receivers are coming up that are, you know, that we, you know, are fantasy superstars. But are they going to stay in their situations now? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of uh, you know it's a lot of turnovers, it's a lot of people. You know, it, it, it's stressful for us, but it's also fun. You know, it's fun to see project how Hill's going to Miami fun. and Adams in 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 uh, in Las Vegas and how it affects their quarterbacks and everything like that. Yeah, we're we're going back towards like you know the times where quarterbacks don't leave anymore because quarterbacks are getting the bag and they're if they're one of those quarterbacks that you should pay, teams are paying them now. Like. And, right. and we're going to see them value, you know, they're valuing the quarterback position a little bit more um, mm-hmm. and even some defensive positions. But all right. What do you got for what do we have? 109? 109. So 109. Uh, this is uh, someone I really liked uh, probably more than most people uh, pre-draft. And I think he uh, ended up in the absolutely perfect spot uh, for his kind of talent. And that's uh, Christian Watson. Oh, yeah. I think uh, going to Green Bay uh, was the perfect spot for him. I know a lot is made of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like on rookie receivers and not having the patience for them and, and everything like that. But at this point, he kind of has to because outside of Alan Lazard, Watson is pretty much all he has <laughs> to work with. Um, and that's, again, like going back to the point we just made, you know, the, the quarterback is in place and now they, they trade away their really expensive receiver and got someone that was much younger that projects to be kind of the receiver that they gave up. You know, that doesn't say that Christian Watson's ever going to be as good as Devontae Adams is, but, you know, if you get 80% of Adams' production at 10% of the cost, you're going to do that now. Uh, and it, I think it really speaks to more like the quarterback playing the league, where if you have that quarterback, you have that, you know, that all pro, that that Rodgers or, or, you know, or Herbert or Stafford or Burrow, whoever, you can then like build around them with, with cheaper players. You don't have to, to spend the money on the running backs or spend a lot of money on the receivers because the quarterbacks are going to make those receivers better. And Watson's probably, you know, one of the, the most, uh, you know, he's not, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not what? He, he, he needs he needs development more than. Yeah, probably, he's not as clean. Team. Like he needs right. to tighten up some things. There's things to, I, I agree with that. Right. So, you know, but, you know, to, to, to go to a place where you get Aaron Rodgers and you can teach them that. Uh, how to play, uh, re- the, re- help him play receiver and, and Alan Lazard as well. That's a that's a perfect situation for him. So, you know, he, it's a little bit trial by fire because he's going to have to start because they are severely lacking weapons. But, 
you know, if he can get that trust from Rodgers, you know, he can pretty much overtake Alan Lazard pretty quickly because I don't understand this narrative that Alan Lazard is his world beater now. <laughs> so, you know, with with his, uh, you know, athletic measurables and his potential skill set, I, I think that's a perfect place for him to land. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this definitely, you know, everyone was on them for not taking a wide receiver day one. Um, and the Packers, you know, but they're known for this since they've had Rodgers. Usually his guy comes out of day two. Um, and the thing with Watson is uh, I think there's a very large umbrella of possibilities for where um, or like how his season can go. I, like if he ended up being rookie like offensive rookie of the year like I would not that does not shock me I'm definitely concerned a little bit because Rodgers is can be somewhat of a brat when it comes to rookie <laughs> rookie rookie wide rookie. receivers but I think that he definitely is gonna knock out uh, you know Sammy Watkins and then what do you still have Randall Cobb it's like he doesn't really there's not much to compete with there I think Lazard's biggest competition which Again, it isn't saying much. You still have Amari Rogers. Uh, mm. That experiment is probably dead and gone at this point. MVS not impressed. Uh, like I, I think they're in a. He's in a good spot to do very well. There's things that he definitely needs to clean up, but he is a true weapon. That is the the absolute athlete that you want. Um, mm. And I, yeah, I like that pick. Thank you. Yes, I'm a little torn with what I want to do here, though, um, because I, I can't get on the Jahan Dotson train. I can't. And I want to so bad, but I, do I do it? I think I'm, I will do it. All right. Because I think there's a big enough drop off after, like, I'm tempted between two guys right now. One is a running back, but I'm. Maybe slightly too early for me. Slightly. Okay. okay. All right. So I'm going to go Jahan Dotson. Again, don't entirely love this landing spot, but like we, talk, like we talked about with receivers, do they end up moving on from McLaurin instead of paying him? Possibly. Uh, Wentz doesn't have a great arm, uh, but I don't know that the Wentz experiment is going to last very long there either. Um, and you know, it's a, it's definitely a very weird spot, but he does have that ability to win contested catches. And I think that it's no knock again to like Curtis Sam, Diami Brown kind of faded into Oblivion? like, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. Cause I even like, I was definitely higher on him, but I also thought we were going to have a different quarterback situation. I don't know why Washington refuses to just trade up and get their Like I will never let 2021 draft, like, I will never let Washington live it down for not trading up and getting their guy. Um, I think that that was one of the biggest mistakes they could have ever made. I think that their team was in a position to win, and I think they started moving backwards because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, Wentz is enough. I Maybe. I, he's enough. I, you know, it's not I, – I don't know what to say. I, I feel bad that I, I always rip him, but – Again, I think that Dotson, you know, he has the separation skills and the contested catch skills that can make up for what Wentz does lack, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and for that, I am in on him. Um, and I think you just move, you know, you probably put Curtis Samuel, given he's healthy, into the slot. Um, you have your X receiver in a McLaurin. Um, and I, you know, he is, he's, Dotson is, does have elite body control. I just don't know if he's like, 
when I watch his tape, he's just, I don't know if I'm there with the true wide receiver one thing yet, but I probably could get there. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, he's probably like the, the, the first receiver, like off the board where you kind of like, you know, does he have it to be that, that number yeah. one guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a perfect compliment to, to McLaurin. I will say that. I think that, you know, if, if Wentz either, you know, uh, reverts back to his previous, you know, a uh, good quarterback state, or if they get a, a good quarterback at some point, I think that, you know, there's definitely enough room to have both of them be fantasy relevant for sure. Um, so yeah. it, it'll, it'll be interesting. Like, like I said, like Curtis Samuel kind of is irrelevant now because Dotson is better at Samuel than everything that Samuel's doing. Uh, and Donnie Brown might as well not exist. So <laughs> at this point, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that uh, at, at this point at the 110, you know, the the kind of like the the, the upper tier is, is gone. So now you're just looking at guys that, you know, you think will be have good situations going forward. So I, I think that's a really good pick there. Yeah, I think and at this point, too, you kind of start throwing those like I feel like as you go along in these, you're starting to go for like you have to look at like, OK, this is the floor. But like, am I willing to risk it for like that potential ceiling that's there for like the potential that Washington does figure it out, which again, I think that they're going to have to get to a position where they start figuring it out, because I think the Eagles are going to be a very strong team next year. I think Dallas is always fairly competitive until they get to the playoffs. And I think that the Giants have put themselves also in a good position to at least stay in games. Um, so I think Washington's going to fall behind a little bit in the NFC East if they don't start pulling it together a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Giants had a, a you know a top three draft, so they're yeah you know, on the upswing. The Dallas is always consistent in the regular season, and the Eagles made a couple of good moves too. So Washington's the only one, you know, that really d- didn't you know climb that much uh, right. th- this offseason. So uh, it really it really all falls on on what kind of wins they're getting. Uh, so if they get like the the decent For to sure. good one. You know they're going to be you know good if they're getting the wins that you know kind of fell apart at the end of his tenure in philly and indy then they're not so mm-hmm. really that's really what it comes down to all right so at the 111 i'm going to deviate from wide receiver for a little bit i'm going to take running back uh this is a guy that uh, i was in love with uh, pre-draft well, we, we both saw him at the senior bowl he was the best back at the senior bowl and no one will ever convince me otherwise uh, he goes into a situation where his only competition is Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack that has had uh, basically has one good leg. Uh, so I really don't expect him to be, uh, you know, on the backup role much. It is, of course, Damian Pierce. Uh, I think Pierce is uh, a guy that, uh, you know, landing spot matters probably the most out of any player uh, running back or otherwise. You know, he's in a contention for that. I think he goes into the best situation in terms of playing time at running back of anybody, except maybe the guy that the Falcons drafted. Uh, I think, you know, he, the, the knock on him is he was underused in, in college, but I kind of see that as a positive. It doesn't mean one, he can't do those things because, you know, he's right. the best press protector in this class. He's going to get on the field immediately. And he has the least amount of tread on his tires and any of these running backs that are coming out. So his career is going to be longer. So, I mean, they're going to find ways. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He has good vision. Uh, and he's the best pass blocker. So he's, there are definitely there's a number of ways where you can see him getting on the field immediately, and that's something that I want uh, in my running backs. Uh, so to get him here at the 111, uh, he may not have like the talent level maybe of the other ones, but in terms of opportunity, he he's the best one for me. Yeah, uh, and I love your boldness to take him here, and I'm sure people would be like, oh my god, it's crazy. 
it's really not that crazy because I don't think that there is a rookie um, that faces less competition at all claiming like that head role in the backfield. And like you and I, you know, we fell in love with him. He was one of the guys, there was about like five of them that you could not take your eyes off um, mm -hmm. during the senior bowl. And Damian Pierce was one of them. And I think again, he's going to a team and uh, shout out to the Houston Texans. because They took a lot of the guys that I really, really love, but he's going <laughs> to a team where not only is he not getting a lot of competition, um, which shout out to the, you know, Berghead truthers. I like, Loki hate that journey for you actually like it's time to maybe start thinking in a different direction but I, I like when running backs you know he's going to a team with a quarterback that there's still questions around but you know at least I know I'm a little bit higher on Davis Mills than most people so again we can start forming some kind of running game that told, like wasn't necessarily there and I think that Pep Hamilton will try to establish that. And I don't think they're establishing that with Marlon Mack as again, like another guy that I get it, but we're talking dynasty here. Um, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhardt head hard. Um, I, I went to a high school with a kid named Burkhardt. Um, I, I don't think that like, there's just no, really no competition here. And Mullen did not, you know, it's Mullen is Mullen and he didn't get used totally, but underutilized doesn't equal under talented. And I right. think Damian Pierce is going to end up, you know, whether he goes in the second, if he goes at the back end of the first, I think that, again, you can't deny the fact that he barely, like, if you want to consider it a competition, fine, but it's not like, it's barely a competition. It's not really a competition. Um, I think he can take on that, that load very quickly. And he's like an absolute bruiser. Like the dude's helmet falls off and he just runs through people. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that a lot, it's, this couldn't have been a better spot, I think for him, because it's just a, the opportunity is wide open. Right. And I think a lot of it is, and, you know, we, we were really hyped when he was, you know, blowing away linebackers in, in, in pass protection. But I think a lot of this, you know, I think it's time to to end the the whole, you know, bell cow running back, you know, thing. That that just doesn't, isn't a thing, you know, anymore. You know, Brees Hall has Michael Carter and, you know, Kenneth Walker has Richard Penny. And while, you know, there are going to be multiple back, backs getting touches. So you just want to look at to see what, which back is going to get the most. <laughs> and, and there's right. no reason that Damian Pierce cannot get the most touches in right. backfield. And they upgraded everywhere. You know, they got Mechie. You know, they got Green for the offensive line. So Mills is going to be better in, in the second year. They upgrade their offense everywhere across the board. So Pierce is going to go into a situation where, you know, there aren't he isn't going to face loaded boxes because Brandon Cooks is there as well and Nico Collins as well. So, you know, he can, you know, he can catch the ball while out of the backfield. And just because, like you said, Dan Mullins didn't use him doesn't mean he isn't good. Right. <laughs> it means that the coach was dumb. That's what it means. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think honestly it's a positive. He has less wear on his tires than any other running back that's coming out this year. You know, he's fresh. So I, I love the pick there at, at the 111. I took him at 109 per, in my personal uh, Dynasty League. Really? So I took him even yeah. earlier. I, I love it. Care. Now you're stressing me out because I'm like in so many that I'm scared he's not going to fall back to me. Yeah. Uh, but I'll stay with the running back theme here and go with another running back that we both love but didn't get to see at the Senior Bowl. And it's James Cook. Uh, yeah. Goes to the Buffalo Bills who, I mean <laughs> – the Bills could 
barely established the run outside of Josh Allen. They started seeing a lot of success once they were able to get Singletary going. Is Singletary a true RB1? I don't know. He had a great end of the fantasy season, um, but I think that James Cook, you get a lot of versatility. Um, You get this catching ability as well outside of the rushing ability, and I think that he is going to be a very consistent back. And, you know, the, the bottom line is, I think the thing that really prevented the Bills also from having a little bit more success is not fully being able to get that run game down. And if you can take a little bit of that pressure off of Josh Allen, I think they see a little bit more success. So I I think we see kind of RIP to Zach Moss here. I think that this is kind of the uh, end of that experiment. Not that I think Zach Moss can maybe go somewhere else and have success, but I, I do like this landing spot. Again, James Cook, this might be the guy that we look back and we're like, wow, we all took him in the first round. He barely did anything. But I think, again, we, we're looking long-term. I think he could very much be the featured back there moving forward too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's already a, a, the best receiving back in that running back room. For sure. He blows, he blows Singletary away in terms of receiving skill. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's going to get him on the field uh, immediately. And I know everyone wants to say, well, you know, he's not Dalvin Cook. Well, that's okay. So he's not Dalvin Cook. So what? You know, he, he he's uh, a younger, right. faster, you know, uh, a little bit smaller version of, of, of Dalvin. And I think it's unfair to him, you know, to compare him to, I mean, and it's easy and it's lazy to compare him to his brother, but I think right. on his own, you know, he, he's the, uh, he is someone that can really, uh, you know, help uh, the bills in, in, in the passing game because, you know, uh, running backs hasn't really caught a lot of passes in Buffalo and that's something that's going to help Josh Allen out. Uh, so I think he can get on the field uh, immediately, especially in PPR leagues. He's going to be a guy that, you know, he can, you can put in the flex spot and he probably, Get you a couple targets a game and catches. So getting towards the end of the you know the last pick in the first round, you know, and that's pretty much what the best you can hope for at this point right. in the draft. So to get someone there, especially at running back, where it dries up pretty quickly in terms of guys that you know have legitimate opportunities, yeah. uh, to get him there at, the, at this point and and to see like again projecting into the future, you know you can see him get that he's definitely talented enough to overtake Singletary and get that league's back spot. So I, I love that pick there. Cool, love it. Love what do you it. got for me at the top of the two? All right, so going into 201, uh, so I'm going to go uh, with someone that I think probably should have been uh, drafted higher had he been uh, healthy uh, his entire career. Uh, staying with uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm going to go with George Pickens. Uh, he got drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, so he'll be uh, Kenny Pickett's uh, newest uh, toy to work with. And I know it's a loaded uh, receiver room there, which is why uh, he fell to the second round for me. Um, but, you know, eventually, you know, uh, Claypool, uh, Johnson, uh, Frymuth, and Calvin Austin, it's, it's a it's a loaded room. But I think uh, George Pickens is talented enough to, you know, to get into, to bully his way into the, the starting lineup. Again, it probably won't be this year because, uh, Kenny, or, you know, if Mitch starts, it's going to be growing pace on the passing offense. Uh, but I think eventually he'll end up, you know, starting uh, for the Steelers. And Steelers have been known, uh, you know, to do wonders with their wide receiver picks. So uh, that gives me a lot of confidence uh, in, in, in their system and in development. And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, he'll, he would return, you know, first round 
uh, production uh, from a second round pick. For sure. And I love that. And I'll go into my next pick and I'll kind of lead off what you said. But um, I think I'll start it with the fact that I think that we see Claypool probably just primarily be moved to that slot position. That's kind of where he will remain. Uh, And then we start talking about paying wide receivers. Is Deontay Johnson going to get moved on from? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think things get interesting if Kenny Pickett ends up winning the job, which I think is a massive possibility. So I'm going to take Kenny Pickett here. Um, and again, right. not a guy that we were very high on, but I think at the end of the day, I think that Kenny Pickett, like we said, was probably the most NFL ready. Uh, and it, you know, probably whether it was our view on talent or who we thought should be the QB one, like for me, Kenny Pickett was that like QB one disregarding like the ceiling of other guys, Um, And I think that this, I don't know if there could have been a better fit for fantasy for Kenny Pickett. I think that, you know, the O-line is still a little sketch there, but they didn't not do anything. And I think Kenny Pickett walks into a beautiful position where it's like, he has every possible, like he has a complete set, a complete set of pass catchers. He has Deontay Johnson. He has Claypool. He has Pickens. He has Fryermuth. And he even has Calvin Austin. Like, it's like Kenny Pickett has so many. Don't forget Najee Harris. Oh, yeah. And then there it is. And that's what I was saying. So even Najee Harris is just like this beautiful mountain of icing on top of all of that because he takes off a lot of pressure having that dominant, you know, all well rounded guy like Najee Harris. And I think to get Kenny Pickett at the 202, it's actually a really nice steal because at the end of the day, we need quarterbacks. He's going to score points, especially if he does win that. If he's able to win, which I, I, if I'm the Steelers, I try to get Kenny Pickett on the field as soon as possible. I think he can handle it given how, you know, everything that he has, he has every weapon. We see a lot of times like these young guys come in and they fail, but it's because look at the freaking team they went on. Like Sam Darnold went to the Jets with no one, no shit. He failed. Like Mm -hmm. that's, this is how it's going to happen. Even Daniel Jones, who was a reach in the draft, you put him on a team with half broken receivers, uh, uh, you know, a running back with no AC. Like we're talking, he has a full team. The O-line could have been, it could probably have been improved a bit, but I think that, Long term, he's in a great spot, even for next year, in a great spot. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I was when he got drafted there. I was looking at both his weapons and looking back. I think he might be the best, you know, placed rookie quarterback ever in terms right? of the, uh, the talent that he's walking into. I mean, he legit goes four deep at receiver if you include Calvin and, Austin. And, and also, Pitt is known for that. They knew what they were doing. Like. Yeah, yeah. And then you include Farbuth. And Najee Harris, it's just, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing the, the amount of talent that Kenny gets to work with. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, he, he's going to win the job in in, in short order. Uh, I do think that it, it says something that the first quarterback in a super flex draft goes in the second round. But, you know. That, Very that's, fitting. But, you know, that that's pretty much where this class uh, has been. Uh, but like I think you nailed it. I, I really can't add much to, to what you said there. That, that's a great pick up there. All right, so at the 203, I'm going to go uh, back to running back. I'm going to go with uh, Rashad White. I think that uh, this is one of those uh, projection 
ones where, you know, obviously Leonard Fournette is, you know, the starter there. Uh, but, you know, come next next year or the year after that, you, you can easily see Wright be the starting running back for the Bucs. Uh, even if Tom Brady isn't there, you, you know, they have elite weapons, obviously, in the outside. Uh, you know, besides uh, Pierce, White was another running back at the senior bowl that did really awesome there. So uh, I really enjoy having him there to draft at the 203. Yeah, I love that. And I'll like, I won't spend too much time on it because I feel like I could probably talk about him for a very long time. But I think, <laughs> again, this is Tampa's done a really good job drafting guys that I think they feel like they could. Uh, develop into the way you know the Bucks do run a lot of like two-man blocking scheme type things which isn't necessarily White's like strongest suit but I think that he can get to that point and I think no matter what Tampa likes to run the ball and I think that he will immediately be you know kind of thrown into it um you've got Fournette still there who is a fantastic vet by the way to have to like be essentially underneath, but I think he walks into literally being the RB two. I know that, you know, who is still, is Keyshawn Vaughn still there, right? Like I, there's guys there, but they lose Rojo who wasn't really something, but I think he is able to move right in. And I think that again, you get Tom Brady, you get, you get Leonard Fournette and he's in such a good position to do very well moving forward. So this is one of those long-term guys where again, might not be super excited, but we're talking like year two breakout happens and none of us are shocked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, sitting behind Fournette for years isn't the worst thing because it preserves, you know, that trade on his tires. He's not going to, you know, burn out uh, as quickly. And, you know, to go into the offense where, you know, the, the running back is featured pretty heavily this is again one of those things where a lot of things in this draft where year one it probably won't pay off, but you know year two to four, you know he's going to be he's going to be returning first round value for you, so that's a great uh, pick by me there. Thank you very much. So, you're up. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to go here with another guy that's in a similar situation but different position in Trey McBride. Um, you know, Damn it. I wanted to take him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, So he, you know, he is obviously not the clear cut. He's going to have to uh, compete a little bit with Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is on the other side of his career. But again, Arizona is another team. They like their tight ends. They're going to find a way to use him, be as creative as possible. He's going to definitely, you know, I mean, he's going to put up numbers, but I think they're going to be way more casual than many people think like I don't think it's going to be the numbers that you expected out of Trey McBride but again like I really he's absolutely worth a second round pick um and I think again another team where do I wish that they didn't you know uh, sign Max Williams to a little bit longer but I, I don't think they also had an intention on Trey McBride falling to them either when they right. did that um so I think Trey McBride is the clear-cut tight end too here yeah absolutely that's a good pick all right, uh, moving on uh, at the 205. I know that this, uh, I'm going to take a QB here, and um, it isn't as, uh, the QB that a lot of people uh, think. Uh, I think it's, it's a toss up here between Desmond Ritter uh, and Matt Corral. Uh, I know that Malik Willis is more athletic than both of them. I just, you know, with the way things are turning out in Tennessee, where they're kind of going for a rebuild, I'm not as high on him as I, I once was. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a Desmond Ritter here. I think that. You know, he steps into a situation where it's just Marcus Mariota that uh, he has to beat out. 
Uh, and it's not like the Falcons are married to, to Mariota. Uh, you know, he was pretty much a stopgap solution when they signed him. Uh, you know, he's going to have Drake London and Kyle Pitts to work with. Mm-hmm. So he, he, the situation that he's going into, uh, again, he won't, he won't start this year, but by next year, uh, he should have that job. And uh, I think that, you know, and his rushing ability, he's not as, you know, he's not as good of a rusher as Malik Willis is, but he does have, you know, some, some rushing ability to him. I think that uh, at the 205 in this draft with, with what's up on the board, uh, I don't mind taking a shot at him here. I love that. And I, first of all, this is going to be our longest episode. So I will try to not talk as much. I'm a little torn on this pick, which is why it's taking me a second. No problem. Uh, mm, I don't know. Uh, Okay. We'll go more off of, I'm going to go, I'm probably going to go off landing spot. Instead of who I wanted to take here. I am going to go, and this is going to be surprising. I am going to take Alec Pierce here, um, and he probably will be pretty um, overdrafted. But hear me out. You have uh, Campbell, who has a complete inability to really stay healthy. Not that I'm wishing that on him. Pittman has not. I, I get that there are Pittman truthers, and I have him on a lot of rosters, and I love that for you, and I get it. But, again, like I don't know if he's – just that guy that we need in the Colts offense. I think that, you know, Matty Ice now being there, he needs a weapon that he can rely on. I think that he is big enough to play the X receiver spot. Um, I think that another one where I wouldn't be surprised if we're all like, what is um, like, what is Alec Pierce doing? And then towards the end of the season, we're like, oh my God, he's, phenomenal um so I like the landing spot I like the idea of maybe there even being another quarterback in a couple years that comes in um but if Maddie Ice can end up making Alex Pierce and Kai's gonna bark at me right now she must hate that pick but (laughs) if he can end up being that guy that's reliable for for Matt Ryan I think that we're in a good spot I mean they don't their tight ends are whatever and I you know they obviously running backs are running backs and we know the situation on that but I think that Alex Pierce is He's in a good spot to compete and be a pretty active player in their offense. Yeah, I, I, there he is. You don't like uh, yeah. it? Come here. <laughs> I actually took Pierce in, in, in my uh, in my rookie draft in the second round too. So I agree with everything you said there. I think you know the opportunity. There's really nothing outside of Pittman for him to compete with. Uh, so you know Matt Ryan is clearly capable of, of keeping you know a couple of wide receivers happy. So that's a great pick there. All right, so at the 207, I'm going to go with the other uh, quarterback. I was thinking at the 205 and take Matt Corral. I think uh, besides uh, Kenny uh, Pickett, this is the most talent uh, that the quarterback is going to have to uh, work with uh, this year. I think the only person he has to beat out is Sam Darnold, who the Panthers have absolutely no faith in anymore anyway. So it's not like he has a big hurdle to, to, to worry about. He, you know, he has DJ Moore, uh, Anderson, Marshall, McCaffrey, so he has a bunch of weapons to uh, to work with. The, the kind of quarterback he is where he's a you know, quick decision, like a you know, short intermediate throw, not the biggest arm. But for that offense, you know, that works perfectly with the kind of yak monsters that he's going to be working with there. So at the 207, I, I'm more than happy to take uh, Corral here. Yeah. All right. I love it. Move through this again because we're like being so chatty. I like that pick there a lot. Um, I'm going to go with the surprising pick, someone that <laughs> – I'll probably get trolled for this because I was not, I was not very nice about him, but again, I like this landing spot. Uh, and I'm going to go with David Bell here. 
David um, Bell. I am. I, I think that Cleveland, you know, they very obviously needed help at wide receiver. He puts himself in a really good position with, you know, if Deshaun is active, should he not get suspended for too long? Um, he's playing with a top five quarterback. Uh, and I think that he could end up being a really, really good value in the second round, given how this team plays out. Um, he is a he is like the perfect analytic specimen. Um, and I think obviously there's knocks to him, but I think that you have Amari Cooper, you stick him in the slot. Amari Cooper on his own has difficulty sometimes staying, staying totally healthy. And then what do you have? People's Jones. People Jones is kind of like. He's not he, he's not that dominant guy that the Browns need him to be to continuously compete, especially in the division that they're in. So I like David Bell here. I think he's good value. Yeah, that's good value. You know, I wasn't the biggest fan of David Bell, uh, but the situation he's going into, the quarterback he's attached to, and where he's being drafted, you know, I can't I can't really you know see anything wrong with that pick at all. So that's a good pick there. All right, so with the 209, so we're wrapping up. I'm going to take a running back that, you know, pre-draft he was considered a top three back uh, and then fell off the face of the planet. Uh, but I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller. I think that a lot of people hated uh, his his draft uh, spot. I think that everyone is really concerned that Austin Eckler is going to make him pretty much irrelevant. Uh, but I think, you know, I, 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 I disagree. I think that, you know, he is the bigger compliment to, to what Eckler is. I think that, you know, he's a complete back. He's going to get, you know, his carries. His, Austin Eckler is not going to command, you know, a bell cow workload. That's not what the Chargers want to do. Uh, they already come out and say that. So he's going to get his opportunities. He's already better than any other running back on the roster, you know, just by stepping in the building. So I think, you know, at this late in this stage, and if, uh, God forbid, if anything ever happens to Eckler, you know, he bump right up to a high-end running back too. Uh, status. So uh, it's a future pick. Uh, I don't uh, expect Echo to be uh, a charger forever. So I, I really like uh, Spiller's spot uh, here late in draft. We can't hear you, Steph. Am I muted? Am I muted? No, I'm not. Okay. It's because yeah. Kai was barking and I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you. Um, I think that, you know, I was saying, I think I'm going to, I probably reach here a little bit. Do um, it. Crap. I don't know if I want to take him here. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go with the, one of the guys I don't shut up about. And I get it. A lot of mouths to feed. You guys are all going to whine. Um, and <laughs> Albert O is your, the, Apple of your freaking eye. Suddenly, I never knew there were so many Albert O fans until this year. Did you? Because I didn't. No. Nope. I am going to take Greg Dulcich here because I love the long term. I get there's a lot of mouths to feed. I think that Greg Dulcich could beat out Albert O. And I don't, that I, I, think, I think that Dulcich, I know everyone's going to hate it. And that, again, that's fine. Greg Dulcich is way better than everyone thinks. Um, and he walks into a situation with a very good quarterback. We're just making the assumption that guys like Jerry Judy end up being what we want. Um, and he's probably more of an early third round guy. Um, but I think that that this is probably the cheapest this year and next year, probably the cheapest you'll ever get. Greg Dulcich is my opinion. I mean, I, I love it. I, I We all know how much of a fan uh, you were. And I was there, too, at the Senior Bowl where he was, you know, he was showing out there uh, as well. And uh, with the whole, you know, to me, massive feed, like, yeah, that, that's a that's a consideration. But 
I, I don't think that I think that Dulcich is talented enough to to win that job. Uh, I think I don't think that you know Albert O should be handed that job just because you know he's been there a, a while. Uh, so I think you know it, all things being equal, at this point, and you know it's someone you love, so you know go get your guy, right? Yeah. So at, at this point, you know. That, well, at this point, we're at what two eleven, two twelve, two ten. You're starting to sh- you're throwing darts now. Like we're right. talking about guys. Like at this point, I'm going to go for the guys that I like and I want, basically. Yeah. Exactly. So, so good, good for you. Way to stick your gun. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So with my uh, last pick in the draft, where am I going to go? It's so tough. It's just not... It is tough. It's so tough. It gets weird uh, here. It does. Uh, um, hmm. Let me go against my better nature and take a Dallas Cowboy. I'm going to take Jalen Tobert. Oh, okay. That's where I was going to go. Nice. That's a good pick. Yes. So I'm going to go, you know, uh, the Cowboys after CD lamb have nothing at receiver. I mean, they signed James Washington. Uh, Michael Gallup is there, but you know, he's broken right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't know when he's going to come back. Uh, so uh, really Jalen should start uh, in three or zero sets immediately. So, you know, he, he's a younger guy. He's going to, uh, you know, be able to develop. He's healthy, which is a problem for a lot of Dallas receivers apparently nowadays. Uh, so I really like the landing spot there. You know, that's it's easily capable. We've all seen it of carrying multiple receivers in in fantasy. So I think he actually beats out James Washington and ends up being the wide receiver two in Dallas immediately. And that's a great spot to be in in fantasy. And at the two eleven, I uh, for opportunity costs, I can't think of anyone better. Yeah, and I don't think saying, like, he's going to beat out James Washington is some, like, a crazy thing. Like, it's not going to be difficult to beat out James Washington. Um, And I think, again, like, we see this a lot of times where, you know, he's going to be on the field. Like, he's probably going to earn himself a starting position, and it's just how much he's going to end up getting targeted. Um, They're going to have to move things around a lot, not having Amari there next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And even Gallup, right? Gallup is – did – you know, how, how many months is he going to be out for? We don't know how much of the season he's going to miss. So he's in a good spot to solidify his position in that offense. Um, and with the last one, which pains me, and I don't really want to, but I have to. Malik Willis is still on the board, huh? Yep. All right. So I'm going to go Malik Willis just because we are talking super flex here. It would be criminal for me not to take him given his rushing upside. Um, and we do love that. We love a mobile quarterback and super flex. He also found himself into a sweet, you know, kind of a, a good place for him, almost similar to like a Trey Lance spot where it's like, he's not expected to start next year. Um, but he's also in a position where next year, he could be the starting quarterback just based off the fact that number one is leaving. Um, I don't know uh, that we see Tannehill there again, um, mm-hmm. but I, again, I think that it's kind of beautiful for Traylon Burks too, because I do love a young receiver and a young quarterback to kind of grow together. And I think that Tannehill is also a really cool guy to be behind because similar, like not talking about talent wise, I'm just saying like, skill set on paper this is a this is a nice place to be behind a somewhat mobile quarterback one of the better positions that he could have been in um yeah. so i do i like the idea that maybe malik will he, he's gonna prove everyone wrong um but i think this is a great way for him to clean up the things that probably made him drop that far down yeah absolutely that's a, that's a great pick uh, you know at 212 yeah going any lower would be like crazy 
and he's going to be, you know, everyone compares him to Jalen Hurts, and he's, when he starts, he's going to be, you know, that guy uh, immediately. Uh, I think it's funny that, that Tannehill was like, I'm not going to help him <laughs> learn, but like, that's just because. Oh, God. I know, but he's your, sick of it. You're going to lose your job, man. That's why. That's Make why. Make him just, like mentor some guy. You're just, you're just hurt. I understand. It, it's painful. But, uh, but yeah, that'll do. I don't blame for, him. I don't blame him either. Uh, that does it for our two round uh, mock draft. It was officially our longest show ever. Uh, thank you for staying with us this entire time. Yeah. I hope we, uh, Hope we helped you guys out that are doing your your uh, your your rookie drafts, including Steph, who should be doing more <laughs> now. Uh, so, anything to uh, to add, Steph, before we uh, head out? No, this was fun, actually. I thank you for going to do an hour show, rookie draft season. It was a good one to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we should you know probably do one or two more. Maybe invite some of our friends over so we all aren't That's doing what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, sure. get some more uh, some more opinions. But uh, hell yeah. yeah. Keep uh, keep on uh, champions around for all of our wonderful content. We're gonna have a bunch of you know seven sticks new contests coming up. Some golf. Uh, we have a new game that's gonna be coming out soon. Uh, a couple of new articles. Smalls talks. Yeah, and join and our Discord and our new Discord channel, which we just rolled out this week. Uh, so for Staffy Smalls, I am Dan Turner. Everyone have a good week. See y'all.